Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Go ahead and have your seats. What a joy. Uh, what a blessing. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor, for uh, your kindness. Um, you and um, Sister Maria, it's been such a joy being here in uh, you know, Las Vegas. Hey, let me tell you, I'm easy to deal with. If you have good food, I will come. <laughs> um, as you've heard, my name is Philemon Wachara, um, originally from Kenya, but uh, pastoring in Flagstaff right now. Joe and Becky have been just wonderful, wonderful friends of ours. So honored, uh, so privileged to have them as our friends. Uh, we came to the United States in uh, uh, 2006, came, went to school uh, in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. I actually lived in northern Kentucky, and then I went to school in Cincinnati, Ohio, eight years. I see somebody smiling out there. Uh, and uh, thank you for being here tonight. You know, when I, when I moved from, from, I try to say I'm from Cincinnati. You know, that's where I came in, because I once told somebody in Flagstaff that, man, I, you know, I, I, we lived in northern Kentucky and uh, looked at me and said, brother, you got good teeth, you know, from... <laughs> I said, what, what does that mean? Uh, and uh, I've, I've, I've been offended ever since. You know, I'm just overcoming that. that uh, but uh, it's just such a joy to be here. And it's just such a blessing, such a welcome, Pastor. I really just want to uh, honor you and all the men of God that have ministered. Um, I just want to thank you all for bringing such wonderful messages. And I stand here as one of you, as a servant of the Lord, um, really to speak what I believe that God has laid on my heart. Uh, my wife, Jane, was not able to come with me. She is a nurse and um, had to work this weekend. And so my daughter offered to come with me. And uh, just so thankful. Um, wonder is here. So uh, thank you. Great word has already come forth. And I just want to share uh, very, very simple truths um, to you, and then we shall pray. Somebody say amen. 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 And I just want to say I've been treated well. You've fed me well. You know, the tacos today, those who are uh, uh, gordo, is that what it is? What, what is it called? Did I hear that it's something to do with... Uh... <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be loaded. <laughs> this evening, I want to open up with a story that maybe you've heard before. A couple in Minneapolis decided to go to Florida uh, to thaw out during a particular icy winter. They planned to stay at the same hotel where they had spent their honeymoon 20 years before. And because of their hectic schedules, it was difficult to coordinate their travel schedules. And so the husband left Minneapolis, flew to Florida on Friday, and his wife was flying down the following day. 
The husband checked into the hotel, and unlike years ago, there was a computer in the room. And he decided to send an email to his wife. However, he accidentally left out one letter in in her email address, and without noticing he, you know, his error, he sent the email to the wrong address. Meanwhile, somewhere in Houston, a widow had just returned from her husband's funeral. He was a minister who was called home to glory after suffering a heart attack. The widow decided to check her email, uh, expecting messages from relatives and friends. And after reading the fast message, she screamed and then fainted. The widow's son rushed into the room, found his mother on the floor, and then glanced up and saw the computer screen, which read, To my loving wife, date Friday, October 13, 2005. Subject, I have arrived. Dearest love, I know you are surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now. <laughs> and, and you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. I have just arrived and have been checked in. I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. <laughs> And I, I look forward to seeing you then. <laughs> Hope your journey is as uneventful as mine was. P.S. Sure is hot down here. How many are ready to go? <laughs> I want to talk about stability in times of conflict. I know that the theme of the conference is rooted, deeply rooted. When, when you look at the book of Ephesians... And you go back to the writer and what he's trying to say. History has it that Paul had probably not even met the people in the church. That's why he uses words like, I'm writing this letter by my own hands. Because he's trying to emphasize that even though I haven't met you, I want you to know it's authentic. It is from me. So, so the background of the letter, he's trying to convey something really really significant stability in times of conflict. I tell you what, this morning, the church has been receiving a lot of wrong emails that was never meant for us. Christians have been receiving on the receiving end of a lot of messages that were not really meant for you. And, and right here, there are people, there are pastors that are bleeding because they received messages that are terrorizing, that have caused them to be unstable, that were never meant for you. There are ushers here today. There are families that are bleeding here today. There are people that are hurt. There are marriages here that are almost breaking because of messages that were never yours. But they came, but now your family is unstable. 
There are homes that are broken, even holy homes, even, even homes that were established on the foundation of Christianity that are shaken right now and unstable because emails came from the evil one that were never intended for you. What Paul is concerned about is not a wonderful, beautiful, cute Christian. He's talking about a stable Christian in the midst of instability. There is a conflict going on. And so if you read Colossians and you read again, and so a lot of this is, this is prison epistle. So Paul is writing from prison. He's jailed, but yet in the middle of his jail, he's coming out with a positive message. You need to know something about Christianity. There's power and hope in the word of God. That it doesn't matter what kind of jail or what kind of prison you're in today. Hope still reigns supreme. Come on, somebody say amen. You could be behind the most strongest bars in prison. But I tell you, when you have the gospel in your heart, there is hope for today. There is hope for tomorrow. There is hope for your future. Somebody say hallelujah. Stability in times of conflict. There is families here today that are almost broken, that are disintegrating, that the reason that is happening is the enemy sent a wrong message and things are falling apart. There are churches that are coming and becoming unraveled because the enemy sent a wrong message and suddenly the rootedness has gone away and, and you're wondering, what is my future? What is going to happen? What I came to tell you that in such times, God is calling you to be stable. Stable. Somebody say stable. It is interesting as I was thinking about this that, that stable means different things in different contexts. Hang with me just for a little bit before we, we read the scripture. You, 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 can, you can be in the sea but be stable. Like when people go on a cruise ship, you think the water plays around but you can be sailing but still stable. You can be in an unstable situation, but stable. How many married people here know that you can be traveling within an unstable situation, but still stable? Somebody say amen. And so stability is not just based on where you are standing. It is based on who you are in the vessel that you are in. Somebody say stable. Churches could be so much sweeter if you only had stable people, stable preachers, stable ushers, stable musicians, stable people. And thank God for the people that are here. Thank God for the investment of faithfulness and, and, and being rooted in the word of God, being Stable, something about being stable. Stability is what the pastors are crying for. Stability is what the ministers is asking for. Stability is what God is asking for. Listen to me. Your stability will be tested, but it is tested so that you are found to be stable in times of difficulties. How many of you know America is going through some unstable times right now? 
So listen to Paul just for a few minutes. And I put these scriptures one against the other. If you read Colossians chapter 1, 21, 23, and then go to chapter 2, you will hear what I'm saying. So Paul says from verse 21 of Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, 23, And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, I want you to underline those words, estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy, blameless, and irreproachable before him. Provided that. Somebody say provided that. No, no, no. That's a conditional clause. That, that's not optional. That, that's con- provided that. If somebody said provided that, it means that what's coming is hinged on what was just said before. So you don't got this continue what was said, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith with, without shifting. Somebody say shifting. Anybody here ever had an unstable friend? Uh, have you ever had an unstable friend that couldn't decide? An unstable wife, unstable husband, unstable pastor, unstable everything. You know you can't trust them because they are not stable. Stability is something God values. Without shifting from the whole promise by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. This gospel that provides stability. I put that against Colossians 2, 4 to 7. The Bible says, I am saying this so that no one may deceive you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in the spirit. I rejoice to see your morale and the firmness of your faith in Christ as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord continue somebody say continue the second time he says that say continue God doesn't have to say ten times one time two times he's serious about it somebody say continue Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, establishing the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and pray that you would take it and use it for your glory. Speak to us that we may gain stability. God, I pray that as I decrease, that you may increase. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody say amen. Amen. So God is calling his children to walk into the realm of stability. God is calling you and I to be steadfast to, in the face of controversy. And you say, but what's the controversy? The fact that we say rooted, anytime you say rooted, established, anytime you say firm, what you are actually implying is somebody, so something is going to come against whatever is firm. By saying you need to be strong, you are meaning that something will test the strength of whatever you're talking about. If you say you need a strong foundation, it means something is going to shake that foundation. How many of you understand that life can be shaken sometimes? How many of you know marriages can be shaken? The foundations of our families can be shaken. The foundation of our callings can be shaken to the core. And that has been said enough. I tell you, if you are not stable, if you are not plugged and rooted in Christ, uh, you will not make it far. You better make up your mind today. No matter what comes I am going to be stable in the Lord somebody say hallelujah Hallelujah. oh the devil is in trouble I can tell you that 
stable, rooted, firm, established. The Greek words to Roma means the state of firm inner strength. This is not, listen, this is not the kind of stability or strength that we go to the gym to work on. How many of you know some people that are well built, but yet on the inside there is actually nothing happening? Uh, that, I'm not trying to say that don't go to the gym. Go to the gym all you want. I mean, as a matter of fact, some of you guys look at me and you think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen. <laughs> yeah, you will be going to look who's talking. Hey, wait until I take my shirt off. <laughs> don't mess with me. No, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Oh, come on, somebody say amen. Let's give praise to the Lord up in here. Let's give praise to Jesus. In a, in a strength mean, what, what is meaning, what Paul is talking about is being firm, being steady, being solid, being well-founded, unshakable, unwavering, staying the course. It even has the idea of persevering. Have you ever had a friend? Have you ever had a member in your family that is solid? When, when somebody asks you about that, that man, you, oh yeah, 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 that guy there, that's solid. That, that lady is solid. You know what God is asking for? He's asking for some solid people here tonight. Uh, come on, somebody. N -n not wavering, not back and forth. Some solid men, some, some solid women, some solid single mothers, some solid pastor's wife, some solid pastors, some solid singers, people that are well-founded that cannot be moved. Like Jesus said, the wind is going to blow. Trials are going to come. But they are solid. When you look at them, the wind blows, but they are solid. And like I said, that, that varies. You know, I, I grew up by the lake and, 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 and what you saw, sometimes winds would come and would gush. And, and there is these plants that are called reeds. One of the things that was always interesting is they would be standing straight when the weather is good. And then the storm would come and blow them. And something that I realized about them is you come in the morning and the wind had blown them and they are leaning down. But then as the day went by and, and the wind from the other direction came, some of them might have broken, but some of them would come right back up. Solid does not necessarily mean stiff. Come on, somebody. Solid does not necessarily mean stiff that can't move. Sometimes what it takes to be solid is lean when the wind is blowing and rise back up and stand when you need to stand. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say solid. Somebody say solid. I'm going to be solid. That's why things will change. And sometimes the church looks like it is leaning, but we will get right back up. The pandemic came and blew us over, but the Lord rose up back up because God wants some solid people. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So, so Paul has 
Paul has this thing about shock value. He, he's trying to get the people to understand that in order for you to understand why it is important to get rooted, I'm going to take you back to the beginning. Somebody say amen. And I know sometimes we don't like these kind of messages because this is, this is no revelation. This is, this is nothing new. But Paul says something that is so significant. He says that, 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 that and you who were once estranged and hostile in mind doing evils, he has reconciled. I want you to listen to me just for a few minutes tonight. So, one thing he does first is he reminds the people where they came from. In order for you to understand the value of foundation and the value of being solid and the value of stability, he first of all brings the face of instability. He reminds them of how unstable they were before. Well, I know you say, oh, I, I ain't unstable. I wasn't unstable. I was good. That's what we think about ourselves. It, it is, it is, Paul is trying to tell the church that listen, there is something I want you to understand. Remember who you were before you really came to the Lord. He says, uh, you are in strange, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, and, and, and he has now reconciled in the flesh, uh, in a fleshly body through that so, so as to present you holy and blameless, irreproachable. Church, listen to me for a minute. It is amazing how we tend to have a grandiose version of ourselves once we get set free and now we are living for Jesus. Oh, we, 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 now, we, we, we now look back and begin to glorify our lives before we really got saved. I mean, even when we give testimonies, we forget where we came from. You know, we forget that we really needed a savior. That's why we are here. And sometimes you give, I don't know if that happens here, but when I was growing up in Kenya, we had what we called in the old time testimony time. And then what people would do is instead of actually testifying about the goodness of Jesus, they glorified the past. Man, when I used to do drugs, man, and Man, I was bad. Anybody here knows what I'm talking about? I probably don't know how to do this well, but the sisters will say, you don't know. You should have met me then. Really? I, I mean, my neck is not that flexible, but... <laughs> Somebody say he tried. We glorify the past where we begin to think that, oh, it was great, man. I was a great bouncer, man. I was a great hooker. I was this and I was that, man. You know, and then Jesus came. So Jesus takes like a few, a few seconds. It's like the way the testimony goes is almost like Jesus ruined it for me. Because, you know, I anybody here knows what I'm talking about? So people leave the church with the glory of what sin was in your life than what Jesus is. But this is what Paul is saying. Before you tell me how great you were, let me tell you how messed up you were. I know that doesn't sound good. Oh, no, 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 no. He said, let me tell you what you really were. 
before I tell you about this foundation. He says, you were estranged. You were estranged. You were alienated. Ephesians 2.12 tells us that you were at the time without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, hoping no, ho having no hope without God in, 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 in the world. Listen, he's saying you were not just estranged, you were aliens. And I know something about being an alien because when I came to America, guess what they called me when I came in? Alien. Sign. I mean, it was in the sign aliens coming into America. I'd get so offended. Why would they call me an alien? I'm just kidding. Maybe you didn't get it. But anybody else coming into America, you're not American, you're an alien. Listen to me. Paul is saying that what, what he means is you never belonged. You are not a part of this community. You are without hope. You are without anything. He says you are estranged. You are aliens. Hostile in mind, which accurately means you are enemies of God in your mind. Somebody say amen. Anybody recognize that? That before we knew Jesus, people would tell us anything about Jesus, but we didn't want to hear it. It's like, oh, no, 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 I don't have time for that right now. I don't want to hear it. And we would walk away because we didn't want any of that. We were enemies of God in our mind. What is interesting is that in the Old Testament in Hebrew, the, the mind, there is no concentration about the mind because when they were talking about the mind, everything within you included the mind, the heart, the bowels. When they talked about the heart, they meant everything. Your thinking, your heart, your bowels, everything within you. But in the New Testament, there was an arising idea about the superiority of the mind. So I want you to know one of the things, one of the conflicts that was happening against the church is that there was the idea of mysticism. This was an idea that you could ascend and get to God by simply higher thinking and logic and how you can access God on your own, that you didn't need the gospel in order to get to God. We could be talking that Old Testament, but how many of you know that that is happening right now? Yes, we are talking that doctrine, that conflict is finding its way in the church. I don't need Jesus. I don't need you to preach to me. I know God. He's in there. But when I was born, he was in there. I know. Don't tell me anything. So these ideas were creeping into the church. So you have mysticism. And then the other thing was there were people that were insisting, well, let me tell you, we need to continue to obey the law because the law is powerful. The law is good. But Paul is saying with all that, listen to me. Those things are not the solution. You need to be plugged solid in Jesus Christ because that is where your strength comes from. Ephesians 4.18 tells us they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. The concept is not limited only to the intellect. It's in everything, every part of us. Not only were we alienated, not only were we hostile in our minds, we were doing evil deeds. And God is reminding us that, listen to me, this is the kicker, listen. Because Paul says, you who once were, now, you would think that in English when somebody says, you who once were, they're supposed to respond by saying, now you are. Uh, can somebody say amen? You who once were, but Paul does not say that. Instead of saying, now you are, 
He says, but now he has reconciled you. Before you are, Jesus is. Come on, somebody help me. You were. But in between you are now, he, God, came in between. Somebody say in between. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. In between, you know, I was. Jesus happened and now I am. I was about to die, but Jesus happened. Now I am alive. I was about to divorce. Jesus came. Now we are reconciled. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. You once were. Jesus happened and now you are. You you didn't become because you did it. You became because Jesus did it. Come on, somebody say amen. Somebody say hallelujah. You didn't just do it by yourself. It happened because Jesus came in your life. Tonight there are people here that you would not be, you would not have a future. You were assigned as a druggie. You were assigned as a harlot. You were assigned as a hooker. You were left out to die and you would have had no life. But Jesus happened. Jesus happened. Jesus came. Somebody say hallelujah. Jesus came. Jesus came. You had no name. Jesus happened. You have a name. You had no family. Jesus happened. You have a family. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Thank God for his grace. That is when we say, but, but, people say, we know, we knew you wouldn't make it, but Jesus happened. We knew your family wouldn't make it, but Jesus happened. We knew this church would die, but Jesus happened in between. Somebody, somebody say in between. Some of you may be going the in between right now, going through the in between. You know, just thinking that, man, I, I wonder what's going to happen. As long as Jesus in the, is in the in between, it's going to turn out all right. Somebody say, amen. It's going to turn out all right. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death. He didn't just do that, but, but he, he died, he reconciled, and then he brought a purpose. Listen, he wants, because Jesus wants stability, he's reminding you of the past, the, the idea of the intervention of God, so that he can remove the alienation, the hostility, and he can bring reconciliation from sin into salvation, enemies to friendship, bondage into freedom, hate into love, bitterness into forgiveness, because he's the in-between God that accomplishes what no man can do. Somebody say hallelujah. He wants you to remain steadfast in your faith in Christ. Let me say something about this faith. Oftentimes we talk about the faith of believing God. I'm believing God, brother. Faith is the substance of things, you know, you know, not seen the evidence of things, you know, you know, hopeful. But, but listen to this faith. Paul is not just talking about that faith. Listen, this is really important. In order for you to be rooted, Paul found out that if mysticism and the law was coming to the church, the church better know what they believe. 
Uh, can somebody say amen? The church better be educated. The church better be disciple. So when he talk about, he talks about faith, it's the apostolic faith. What he's saying is, I want you to know the word. I want you to be rooted in the word so that you understand what you are fighting for. That's why Paul says in another scripture that contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. You can't fight for what you don't understand. You can't contend for what you don't know. You contend for the body of believers. You, you contend for the faith you understand when you are in the word and you understand what the word says. When people come with lies, you can go back and say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm solid in the word. I'm solid in the word. I'm steadfast in the, I understand it. People will come and say, yeah, did you know that right now we were talking on, with the pastors that we get together with, there's such a thing called Chrislam, which means that Christianity and Islam is together, that they are one thing. Guys, I can tell you, I don't know where you stand, but there is no union between Christianity and Islam. Can somebody say amen? amen. It's not Jesus plus Muhammad, it's Jesus alone. Can somebody say amen? He's the way, the truth, and the life. If you don't know the body of that faith, you will simply say, oh yeah, that's a good thing. Krishna, oh, praise God. Don't be quick to say praise God. Understand the faith that you stand on. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. If Jesus plus something else, Jesus from Buddha, Jesus plus Islam, that's not Jesus anymore. Steadfast on in the faith that I have given to you, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I don't want you to stand on something else. I want you to stand on the faith that I have, I have prescribed, that I have taught you. I want you to be solid. I want you to be steadfast. I want you to contend. Honest D. Martin once said, this is a caution to every Christian. You can't just check out your brain because you got saved. You have to understand that there is an attack in the church. The enemy is wanting to bring the church down. But listen to me. How, how do I get solid? The Bible says in Ephesians 3.17 that Christ will make his home in your hearts. Ephesians 3.17. Christ will make his, his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong and make you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, how deep he is. Listen to me, guys. The only way that you become solid is by Christ making a home in your heart. Can somebody say amen? I have this thing that, that always gives me great pleasure. And I've shared it before. In the new times when I first came to America, I, the people would always, and if I say it wrong, forgive me, they would always tell me uh, when I came into the home, they would say, Pastor, Pastor, whether, whether, whatever, there was a pastor, mi casa es su casa. Is that how you say it? Is that how you say it? I know, I know poquito. I know, I know a little bit. A little bit. Mi casa es su casa. And what they would say is they would welcome me into their homes. And they would say, that means my home is your home. And I said, well, what a great thing. Mi casa es su casa. I never forgot that. And they would walk with me, show me the refrigerator, and say, mi casa es su casa. And I see milk, and I see this, and I see that, and I see hot dogs. And mi casa es su casa. 
And in my heart, I'm going, are you sure? Because I whatever. This is my sukkah. Because I came from Kenya, boy, and, and, and I'm looking at all these hot dogs, and I'm looking at this. Mikasa is Ukasa. So I'd go to bed at night, and I'm thinking, Mikasa is Ukasa. <laughs> and, and the problem is, I would, I would have induced hunger at night. <laughs> and I would blame it on jet lag, because, yeah, I can't sleep. I just came from Africa. And I would wake up at midnight at 3 o'clock. Mikasa is Ukasa. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we could make, <laughs> I'm sorry, you could make a song out of that, Mikasa Eisukasa, Mikasa I mean, just, just have fun with it. It is crazy. Sometimes the owners, and I didn't know how you would eat the food anyway. One time the owner of the house found me, and what I had done, I had taken a hot dog, I wrapped it in a tortilla, and I warmed it. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> because they told me, me casa. Eshukasa. Come on, somebody say amen. I said, this is, this is beautiful. And, and, and I, would, I would just feel like, man, this is, this is awesome. I'm going to eat. I tell you what. Uh, did you say El Gordo? That happened to me. I have that testimony. I went back to Africa and it was El Gordo. I mean, I, I, whatever that means. I mean, listen to me. Jesus has to feel home at home in your home. And I, and I often say that, that people, when they said that, what I discovered though is they didn't really mean that, that move in and change things. Like, what do you think if you woke up and said, uh, Pastor Philemon, me casa is su casa. And then you got up the next morning and uh, saw me calling the carpet people and uh, the paint people and, and saying, well, you said me casa is su casa. So I don't like the carpet. We, we're going to change that. We're going to change the paint. Me casa is su casa. That's what you said. I think the next words I'd hear from your mouth is, uh, brother, listen, it ain't your Mikasa anymore. <laughs> you need to go, go, go. Because people mean that. They say that to be nice. Can I say something to the church? You can't be solid by being nice to Jesus. Jesus is not asking you be nice to me. If you welcome him in your heart, you are allowing him to move the carpet. You're allowing him to change the paint. You're allowing him to change the music. You're allowing him to make some changes in your life. Somebody say hallelujah. Mikasa Esu Kasa. Help me out there, somebody. If you said it to Jesus, he's taking over. I said he's taking over. He's taken over. I'm just going to turn things around. and You might not be happy, but he don't care like they say. Stayed fast in your faith. Solid. Being strong. You're going to be tested, but he's saying, Wood, it means I, I want you to be stable. You may be sailing in the untempered sea, but I want you to be stable. You may be walking among heathens, but I want you to be solid. When you are working, I want you to be solid. 
Not behaving this way, behaving that way, saying this, but you were that. Believing this, but you behaved that. He's saying be solid. So that people at work can say, well, who are you asking for? All that Christian? Oh yeah, he's solid. Who are you talking about? That lady, the secretary? Oh yeah, she's a Christian. I'm telling you, bro, she's solid. Not, oh, no, I, I, I don't know. Somebody say stability. And then Paul says, remaining steadfast in the hope of the gospel. Colossians 1.23 says, without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, without shifting. Somebody said that hope is essential for living at any time, especially in times of adversity and testing. Hope is living with firm hold on the promise of life and salvation. Hope is the gift of looking forward with confidence, knowing that even if the future entails suffering, even unto death, it will be okay because Christ has gone ahead. To hope is to have a secure future. And know that one has it. Somebody say amen. Hope of the gospel. Stable. Not just steadfast. Not just, not just in faith in the body of what we believe. But the hope of the gospel. I didn't say the hope in our country. I didn't say the hope in our constitution. Those things are all fine. Paul is talking about the hope of the gospel. Because the gospel has some guarantees your country can't give you. You, 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 the gospel has some things that the jail system can't give you it has some things that that prosperity can give you you can have prosperity but not have the hope of the gospel the hope of the gospel means that God can get deep where nobody else can get deliver you forgive you set you free make you a new person when everybody else has written you off god can pick you up clean you up and say the in-between works this is my child the gospel has hope listen i'm not gonna do a long on this listen to me there is a hope that the gospel brings because it gives us security not just for now but for the future see you can have money in the bank but that's not hope for the future uh, don't go saying pastor said we shouldn't save that's not what I'm preaching oh no 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 save all you want but have the hope of the gospel C can somebody say amen uh, can somebody say amen? Uh, people say, well, preachers don't like money. That I, hey, listen, if you have a jet, invite me. I'll ride in your jet. If you have a nice car, invite me. I'll enjoy it. But that without the hope of the gospel is nothing. It has no guarantee for eternal life. Paul is saying, I want you to be solid, stable. I want you to be secure. I, I want to... I want to close with, with a thought here because a hope is not flimsy. It's not a, a wishful thinking. It's a promise that God has given us for the future that secures me. You know what? It's the hope of the gospel. 
that has made it possible for me to be here. Thank God my father introduced me to Jesus. Years ago, listen to me. The stability that we get in Jesus. Years ago, and I, I used this story a couple of weeks ago. I was thinking about my experience again when I first came. I was visiting over in Oregon. And, um, you know, I had a, a simple prayer in my heart. We were driving by Oregon. And, and we were, you know, I was driving Greyhound, you know, at that time. And as we were driving by, I see these people riding on, 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 on wave runners and jet skis. And I made a simple prayer and say, Lord, someday I would love to be on that thing. I didn't even know what it's called, that thing. <laughs> Has anybody ever prayed for that thing? That thing, Lord. I don't know its name, but that thing, Lord. I, I want to ride on that thing someday. And lo and behold, when I got to Oregon, a friend of mine, it just happened to be that, that he actually owned the jet ski. And I said, oh my God, you are good. Listen, if you have prayers, make them. Because God's going to answer somebody's prayer. It better be you. I mean, somebody's prayer is going to get answered. And so I said, praise the Lord. And he said, fellow man, do you want to go down with me? And so you can ride the jet ski down. And I said, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do this thing. And then we take, we go on the wave runner, man. And we begin going down Oregon. And it's beautiful. We're going through the city. I'm like, man, this, I've never ridden anything so beautiful in my own water. 65 miles an hour. Shh, man. Give a man speed. I don't know what will happen, but. But I mean, I was just, so anyway, we get out there and we get to an island and uh, he's giving people a ride and he gives me a ride. And then he said, Philemon, I want to, I want to, I want to teach you how to ride. Would you like to ride? I said, oh yeah, 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 I'd like to ride. And he said, but before you ride, I want to give you a few tips. He put something, there is a, a thing that's connected to the engine that, that's supposed to turn it off. So in my heart, I'm going, bro, I don't need that. This is, this is water. <laughs> Just cut me loose. I need to go. And he said, and before that, you need to have this, you know, uh, uh, you know, life jacket. You, you need this on. And I'm like, man, I'm ready to go. And, but he puts this thing on me and I, and I have this thing. And he says, make sure that you have it on. I've never ridden this before. And so, I mean, he takes me one round, takes me another round. Takes me another round, and I'm like, man, I'm good. I'm ready to go. I know how to do this thing. And, 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 and then he says, okay, well, you know what you're doing, you know, because he's, I've gone twice, and, and, and I'm doing good. So I get on this thing, and I'm ready. Have you ever been ready? So I'm ready to, to ride. And I take off. I mean, I take off, and I mean, I started slow. So, and I said, I feel good. I feel good. And you heard that song, I feel good. And I'm going, and I'm, I feel good about this. And then I go one round, and then I go again. But at some point, I feel like I got it. And I take off. And somebody else was coming in front of me, and they, they generated some waves. How many of you know that in life, people will generate waves? They generate waves and Philemon is coming. The man of God is coming. You know, and I come and ladies and gentlemen, I hit 
two, three, four waves, and Philemon and the jet ski got disconnected. <laughs> and, and after taking in a couple of glasses of water, <laughs> disoriented, not knowing where the jet ski is. I was, I'm fine, I'm fine. Everybody's looking at me. And thank the Lord, <laughs> the jet ski stopped. And I was able to swim back to the jet ski. And what kept me secure and helped me was that wrist switch that disconnected and the life jacket. The gospel hope, the gospel hope will keep you secure when life wants to take you down. Come on somebody, somebody say amen. It will keep you secure when everything wants to take you down. Stability. Stability. Sometimes you can be tossed off even the most stable thing. But when you have some securities tied around you by the Lord, you will survive. Can somebody say amen? And some of you may be right there right now. I'm telling you right now, God is working in your heart and saying, I can save you. I can help you. I can strengthen you. But I want you to be steadfast in your faith, steadfast in your hope. Can somebody say amen? Would you bow down your heads and close your eyes as the worship team comes? Father, we, we thank you and we honor you.